Welcome, Dr. James Beckett here with Frank Costello. We're going to talk about how to get started in the hobby. And Frank's a golf pro. I just realized that as I played golf, not that much when I was younger, and then I played for a while, and then I quit, and then I came back. And I realized that people that are just getting into the hobby or having been in the hobby and then left and then came back, there might be some parallels between learning golf, getting better at golf, and learning and enjoying and getting better at collecting slash dealing slash even investing in uh, sports cards. So welcome, Frank, and thank you, sponsors, Tops, Panini, and Upper Deck, Produce the Cards, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions. They auction off collections and cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, and Burbank Sports Cards, card shops that are outstanding, and then ComC.com, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. Everybody's got an interest in having a thriving hobby. And that means people are coming into the hobby, just like people have been coming into golf. So welcome, Frank. You're a, a golf pro, a teaching pro. And I'm eager to see if we think there's some parallels between getting into card collecting and getting into golf. Share some of your expertise with us and uh, some of the parallels that you see. And welcome, Frank. Sure. Thank you very much for having me on your, your podcast. Uh, one of the things I can tell you about golf, especially in today's environment, is it is a very difficult game to play to begin with. And through studies, we found that a lot of players that just tried to do things on their own really struggled and didn't really get much better and started losing interest in the game. Through studies with the PGA of America, we started understanding that if we could come up with not systems, but lessons for beginners, we could get them to a point where they could start hitting it halfway decent and having some fun playing golf. Now it's not just hit it 10 feet and walk and hit it another 10 feet. We can get them to get it airborne. And once a player gets to see the ball airborne, they start getting excited and they want to get into it a little bit more. But like anything else, if you want to be good, you have to practice. I tell my students, yeah, I can give you the basics. We can fix some swing flaws and things like that. But how much time do you really have to devote to practice? Because that's what's going to make you get better. You can take all the lessons in the world, but if you don't do any of the practice techniques or the drills that the instructor is giving you, you're probably not going to get much better. We're going to tie this to card collecting. Card collectors think that golf is hard. Sports card collecting is easy. I think sports card collecting is easy to get started, but you can make a lot of mistakes, just like in golf. You can hit some bad shots. So my thought is that most people think that sports card collecting is like a good athlete taking up golf. A really good athlete, really good hand-eye coordination, played a lot of sports. Even if they've never played golf, even without lessons, they can get out there. They're athletic. They're strong, got great coordination, and they may think they don't need a lesson. That's the way I see card collectors now. It's a bull market. Everybody thinks whatever I buy is going to be worth more. What's not to like about this? But they're missing out, just like a really good athlete is, is going to have limits to improvement if they don't have the fundamentals and, and get a teaching pro or somebody to help them not groove some bad habits. See where I'm going with that? Yes, I do. I understand where you're coming from because I was lucky enough to have some mentors when I first got into card collecting as I got older. Obviously, when I first started at six years old, I collected because my dad collected. He collected 33 Gaudis. Me too. And, and he's the one that that bought me my first pack of cards. But as I got older and I started getting into more what you're talking about, where it became more than just a collection, maybe it was becoming a business. I needed some mentors because I didn't know the ins and outs of pricing. I didn't know how you even went and started selling cards until I met certain people and they started educating me into how to buy, how to sell, how to trade, how to do some things like that, where to go. 
who was running shows. Those aren't things I learned on my own, to be perfectly honest with you. It was like having several golf pros work with me to get me up to a certain level. That makes a lot of sense, but I noticed that you're using the word uh, mentor in the plural sense of mentors, and I'm a big fan of people having more than one mentor, that you'd have more than one person that you'd go to for wisdom or get a good example rather than just one. It's pretty daunting to be the singular mentor, but I don't know if that's the way people approach golf. Do people well, have a whole bunch of golf pros or do they settle in on one? In today's day and age, yeah, they do have, especially when you look at really good players, tour players. I, I don't know how much people study it, but they have a swing coach. They have a nutritionist. They have a fitness coach. They have a short game coach. They, they have a sports psychologist. So players on, on both the LPGA and the PGA Tour today probably have in their entourage somewhere between three to five different people assisting them with different parts of the game. You heard it here first. Frank is saying that if you want to be a really successful collector, you need a nutrition coach. <laughs> okay, so you can have more than one mentor. And the other thing that was interesting to me is that there's so many collectors that think they got it figured out because they collected when they were a kid. And let's say preteen, 7 to 12, then they quit for 20, 25 years and they came back and they want to pick up where they left off. Can they do that in golf any better than they can do that in collecting? Again, no, not when at everything's all. going great, it's not a problem. But First of all, let's say you did not play golf for 10 years. Your body changes. Teaching today is completely different. We're doing so much with biomechanics and, and how your body type affects your golf swing and, and your coordination, your core stability, your strength affect how you swing a golf club. If you laid off for 10 years and didn't pick up a golf club and then tried to come back into it, you're really going to struggle because of the changes your body has gone through. It, it's going to be difficult for somebody that put the clubs away for 10 to 15 years to just pick up where they left off, especially if they were halfway decent players. You're going to retain some of what happened during those days, but that kind of a layoff and the changes in your body and your biomechanics over a 10 to 15 year period are, are going to affect how you get a golf ball. You don't realize what you don't know what you're saying is that the better path is to get some wisdom from somebody. I don't know how you do that in card collecting. I don't think people are hiring themselves out as mentors. There are some people that have podcasts that will advise you on what to buy. But like you said, you were a caddy. You observed what people were doing. If people were not necessarily caddies in the sports collecting world, but they were observing and going alongside. And like I said, I think they'd avoid some double bogeys. <laughs> to give you an example, today I did on-course coaching. We didn't work on a driving range. When I'm working on a driving range, I'm not teaching you how to play golf. I'm teaching you how to swing a golf club. We want to help players learn to play golf. So what we're starting to do is getting into more on-course coaching, where you take a student out on the actual field that they're going to be playing on and competing in and teach them how to think their way around, their way around and teach them how to hit shots from certain positions and teach them where to hit the ball. If you got a highly sloped green, you want to be below the hole when you hit your second or third shot there. Today, we're trying to be more of a, a coach than a teacher. I, I consider myself a coach today, not so much a quote-unquote golf instructor. I'm trying to teach players how to play golf, not just swing a golf club. First things is grip. And they say grip it and rip it, but, but they don't mean grip it with a death grip. I think some people approach the hobby with a death grip. <laughs> <laughs> They do. I was at the Troy show a couple of weeks ago and just to hear some of the banter between the collectors and where their knowledge is of card collecting today 
was eye-opening because I, I, I believe in just what you were talking about. Maybe they got out of it, in, let's say, in the late 80s and jumped back into it now. And yeah, they see some tremendous prices, but do they know what happened in between that time period? Do they understand what's going on in the card industry today? It's different. It's changed. It's just like golf. The technology of golf equipment has increased tenfold in the last 20 years. You're trying to hit a set of golf clubs built 20 to 30 years ago is difficult in comparison to how good the technology is today in, in golf equipment. And that's why the players hit it farther, hit it uh, better, just because of technological changes. And a lot of times when I do get somebody that maybe hasn't picked up a golf club for a while and you hand them a new club, all of a sudden they go, oh, geez, I can hit this a little bit easier. Uh, that's because the weighting properties are different. The shafts are lighter. The grips are a little bit different. There's a lot of things that have changed and evolved over a period of time. If you don't have someone helping you with that, yeah, you're going to be lost. And that's the same thing in card collecting. If you haven't been in the hobby since 1988, a lot's changed. Look at the cards themselves. Did we have all those shiny cards when we were kids? No. The technology is better on the pictures. The technology is better on the paper quality. Just little things like that are completely different than maybe when you and I first got in the hobby. One thing I noticed that today's new breed of collector that's collector slash investor it's the equivalent of the first thing they do is go out and get a fitted set of brand new clubs before they even <laughs> hit the course because they want to do it right, but their swing hasn't settled in. They haven't determined their collecting focus, what their alignment, their stance, some of those things. If you get fitted with clubs and then change your stance or if your alignment's messed up, you ought to get those things settled in before you lock in with your fancy new set of clubs. Exactly. You want to learn your fundamentals first then go get a, a good set of golf clubs that are going to fit your body types. The lie angles are going to be correct. The lofts are going to be correct. The weights are going to be correct. It's good to make sure that your fundamentals and your golf swing is more settled. Uh, in, in sports card collecting, the only fundamental that the mentor that I hear very consistent is buy what you like. That's a fundamental, but it's only part of the story. In fact, it's that's like a golf pro telling the student to swing whatever feels good. Now, if it feels good and the ball's going straight and long and high, then yeah, maybe, but just collect what you like is an opportunity to not get great results sometimes. I, I agree with you. A lot of times beginners come in, someone hands them a set of clubs and says, yeah, these are my old ones. That's great. Maybe those old clubs were good for you, but they're not necessarily going to be good for a new player coming in, especially if they're older, they're heavier. Uh, I see a lot of women come to me with men's clubs. I, I agree with what you're saying using that sports card analogy. You got to be fit correctly. Your dad gave you gouties and gave you uh, golf clubs. My dad gave me gouties and gave me golf clubs. Reject the golf clubs, keep the gouties. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> I've talked about the long tail and going into a card show and seeing tables full of very expensive cards. To me, it's similar in golf to your long game and your short game. If you haven't played for a while, you can go to the driving range and pound some balls and you can get your long game back, that you can hit the ball far and reasonably accurate. But the short game or the long tail is what really takes people a long time to develop. And maybe that's why collectors, when they get into it, they go after some of these whale cards, these grail cards, the glamour cards, because that's something they can track more easily. And the long tail is like the short game, it comes much more slowly to really get the precision there and the full understanding. It's easier to swing a club at full speed than it is at three-quarter speed. A lot. You're, you're correct. And one of the things I really try to uh, impress upon my students is putting is 43% of a round of golf, chipping is 13% of a round of golf. 56% of a uh, round of golf is around the putting green. 
but how much time do you actually spend working on your short game? Most of them are like what you're talking about. They go out to the driving range, they pound a few balls. They want to see how far and how hard they can swing, but yet they wonder why they can't score. My, my really high end players that I work with my, my college players and a couple of professionals that I work with, I tell them I want 70% of their practice time spent on the short game and 30% hitting full shots. And I'll actually set up plans and programs for them on a daily basis of what I want them to hit, how far I want them to hit them. Flexibility, I think, is my limit to growth in my advancing years in golf. I'm wondering if that's similar to flexibility in card collecting. People that are too focused and locked in on one thing, perhaps just thinking they're going to brute force it, they can have a thick wallet. But if they're uh, not flexible and they're chasing whatever everybody else is chasing, it's bid way way up and they're not flexible. I I think that's another recipe for uh, eventual problems, not immediately in a bull market. But flexibility is really important. I agree with you on that, too. In today's market, you, you need to be open to what's out there. There's other niches than just getting the grails or, or getting the high dollar cards like what you're talking about. There's opportunities out there. But if you're just focused on one thing, you're going to miss those opportunities. Same thing in golf. If you're just focusing on hitting drives, that's wonderful. So you can hit a 300-yard drive. But what about the rest of your game? What if you do knock it on the green in regulation and you're three and putting all the time? Your score is adding up. You're not getting any better. (laughs) The same thing goes in card collecting. I think there's a lot of missed opportunities in card collecting today because collectors are so focused on just one aspect of the hobby. And there's a lot of really neat aspects in the hobby. A lot of, you know, different cards, a lot of little other niches, maybe non-sport things of that nature. When we were younger too, remember our mentors, a lot of them collected more than just sports cards too. They collected pennants, they collected yearbooks, they collected World Series programs. There's so much stuff out there in our hobby today. I still get excited about finding certain things when I go to a card show or if I look online or look at an auction. Thank you, Frank. It's been very enlightening. I'm really struck with the idea that even as a golf pro, you really prefer a playing lesson. That's the analogy I want to stay with is that if uh, the new collector would identify a mentor and not go just pound balls on the range, like you're saying, but get out on the course or go to a show with a mentor type person and and see and, and discuss what's going on. That'd be a great way to get into it or go to a card shop and have a discussion along the way of what are you looking for? What do you see? Why is this a good deal? I think that'd be really helpful. And like you say, the goal is not just to win the game or to, or to get a, a decent score and enjoy it. I think you'd be able to avoid some pitfalls if, if you came alongside somebody. So great advice from a golf pro. Golf is similar to sports card collecting and it's easier. <laughs> I'm a scratch collector. Actually, I'm a plus handicap collector. You are. <laughs> I'm not, not a scratch golfer. So. And, you're a, and you're a great mentor. <laughs> well, I work on that. But thanks, Frank. Thanks, listeners.